there's plenty of time to treat yourself to something good to eat at our refreshment center. To add to your enjoyment of the movies, we offer cold, refreshing, full-flavored drinks. Choice popcorn, freshly popped, crisp and tasty, and richly coated, taste-filled candy bars that are sure to please you. Yes, there are many good things here for your pleasure. Enjoy them. And Michael Bolton. This explains the open. Wow. Fancy weather stars. Full, uh, Michael whoa. Bolton is 65. When was he... How did he do... Uh, season Let's go 11. Don't strain. You look at your straining. You're not straining. You know the answer. Now you're just playing possum and being we're, a jerk. We're, we're, I like 11th place. Of course. Now, who, I, had to, I had to think about it. No, you don't. Who is, missed yeah. what I said. Who is 10th? Let's go who is 12th? 12th was David Hasselhoff. In fact, there is a 10th um, was Margaret Cho. There's really? nothing more impressive really? than this. That's like the dream team. There's nothing more impressive than no, this it's, trick. No, it's incredible. And, and you know what? Uh, go on. You have more? Yeah, he's like an answer to a trivia question. Uh. Only three people in the history of the show <laughs> uh -huh. scored a three. Is that good or bad? I'm That's against awful. what you're doing, Mino, because I'm fascinated. Yeah. Like, he knows... It was one thing to reel off all the winners. Yeah. It was another thing to go top three. But he can do this with anyone you throw out there. He's the best. Like, there's... You would think there'd be no use for what he's got in his head. There isn't. <laughs> Here it is. It's to entertain me and me alone. <laughs> Howdy ho everyone, this is the Ballroom Blitz. My name is Tony the Engineer, welcome back. Well here we go with episode four of the Ballroom Blitz and uh, we'll be talking about episode three of Dancing with the Stars season 30 and that occurred on Monday, October 4th. But what a night it was. That night was Brittany night on Dancing with the Stars and if you're a Britney Spears fan, I guess you probably enjoyed it somewhat. All 14 of the dances were done to a Britney Spears tune. Now, you know, they have theme nights all the time on Dancing with the Stars, and most of them don't do much for me either way. They don't move the needle either way for me. Uh, there's an occasional exception. I really love Halloween night. They always go all out for that. But most of them, eh, you know, it's okay. I like it. I don't like it. It's not that big a deal. Having said that, with Britney night, I was actually looking forward to... I don't know, hearing some old school songs from Britney. And it didn't take long to find out that what we were going to hear was basically a cover band covering uh, uh, Britney's songs. So the uh, Ray Chu Live Orchestra and their singers were doing Britney songs. Now, I'm sure there's a big uh, amount of money that ABC would have had to pay to Britney and her people to get the right to use her recordings. I don't know how that works because over the course of the history of the show, there have been a lot of just recordings that you would hear like off the radio. And it's a very familiar sound and, you know, kind of comforting, I guess. 
But doing a house band full of Britney tunes, uh, I don't know. It kind of kind of left me feeling a little flat, but uh, not that big a deal either way, I guess. Well, right off the top of the show, uh, Tyra mentioned that Cody Rigsby had tested positive for the coronavirus. Now, we know that uh, Cheryl tested positive the week before, so they couldn't be in the ballroom. Uh, not this last show, of course, but the show before either. Cody had tested negative, but still, he, they didn't even want him in the ballroom. Well, sure enough, he turns up positive on Thursday before the Monday, October 4 show. And the week before, they were able to do a rehearsal video for the judges to look at. And that's not unique in the history of this show. That's happened before where someone couldn't perform that night for whatever reason. And they were able to judge either the dress rehearsal or just your regular rehearsal video. And that's what they did. Now, they didn't even get to get a look at the dress rehearsal because Cheryl turned up positive before they even got to do that. So that regular rehearsal was kind of... You know, they weren't wearing the right clothes and they just looked a little disheveled. And of course, you're practicing, so it's not the finished product. And so Cody didn't do very well. He didn't do very well the first week either. So I was really looking forward to this third week that he might get to dance with another pro, probably Britt, who was eliminated uh, when Martin was eliminated last week. Well, then he turns up positive, And so he can't be there either last night or Monday night. So now what are they going to do? Well, in the history of the show, usually if you couldn't perform, you were eliminated that night. It's just that simple. And it's happened multiple times that uh, I could certainly reference if I needed to. But this time they made an exception and they decided to let Cheryl stay in her home and Cody stay in his home, turn their little living rooms into kind of a mini ballroom. And they were going to do a dance in separate locations at the same time live on the show with a split screen. And they did it. They pulled it off. And we'll get into a little bit of what, how that went and so forth when we look at each of the individual dances. But just to try it, uh, I did give them some applause for that, Dancing with the Stars. Now, a lot of it was self-serving, I think, because they did not want to lose Cody. Um, from what I've seen and even from the preliminary, you know, before the season started, the preliminary buzz, Cody's the alpha male this season. He's the best male dancer. And he might be the only really good male dancer. This season reminds me very much of season 24, which we had a few years back, where we had multiple good female dancers and one good male dancer, which happened to be Rashad Jennings, and he won. This season, like I said, looks like it's kind of fallen out that same way. We've got four really good females off the top and then Cody. And who knows, maybe a couple of the other guys will turn into something. But as of now, it looks like he's the main guy. And of course, the show didn't want to lose the main male uh, good dancer on the show this early. Now, what's going to happen next week if neither one of them get back? That's going to be a different story. And if they try to do it again, how long will they take that? Uh, I would think maybe one more week if they want to do it. You know, they dance to a jazz number, which means you don't have to be in hold necessarily. And obviously, they couldn't do that. So it worked out okay. But again, we'll get into the specifics of that a little later. Also at the top of the show, Tyra mentioned that Derek Huff, the fourth judge, had a possible exposure to COVID last week. And again, under the abundance of caution moniker, he was not in the ballroom. So you had the old three school, uh, the old school three judges, Len, Carrie, Ann, and Bruno, which is no problem at all. And the thing you might not know about Derek is he is also doing a Las Vegas residency right now in conjunction with his Dancing with the Stars judging. 
So he works in Vegas Wednesday through Sunday, flies to LA on Monday, works there Monday night, and flies back on Tuesday, and then goes to work again for five more days in Vegas. Sounds like a pretty crazy schedule. And you can imagine the number of people he's coming into contact with. Now, I think all his people are vaccinated too, but it doesn't matter if you come down with it, you have to go into the protocol and that means no exposure to the ballroom. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, you know, that's a little, little worrisome, I think, because his whole residency is the length of the Dancing with the Stars tour or season. I think he did that on purpose. Some people would say, what are you doing, Derek? You're working five days in Vegas, and then you come judge in Dancing with the Stars. Well, this is not new to him. In fact, in season 20, he and uh, his partner, Nastia Lewinkin, did the same thing, only much more intense, really. Derek was a performer, obviously, on the show, which is a lot harder than judging every Monday. And then he was on Broadway that season and had 13 shows in New York City. So on Monday, he would fly out to L.A., do the show with Nastia. They both would fly back because she was actually a student at NYU, I believe, then. And they would try to practice either before or after her classes or before or after his uh, Broadway shows. So this is a piece of cake to him, I guess, considering what he went through in season 20. But again, for the show, this could be problematic going forward for sure. Okay, let's get into the dances a little bit. Now, we still have 14 people. So we're not going to dive deep into this until we get down to around 10 or 8 or something like that. But I do want to touch base a little bit on each one because this is a Dancing with the Stars talking show and we certainly should cover this. So first up last night or on Monday night was Amanda and she did the cha-cha. Now we all know Amanda is a very good dancer. It's been well known that she has a ton of dance experience and she's going to do well on the show and she has been doing well. Uh, she did a cha-cha last night. Now, the judges are really having to judge her a little differently. And Derek said this last week when he was there. We know you're a good dancer, so we're going to hold you to a higher standard. So some people would say, well, that's not very fair. Well, a lot of people would say it's not fair to have her on there because she was a former dancer in a previous life. So anyways, they're going to talk a little more and seem, seem to be a little more critical of her. That's just because she's so good with the basics where someone who never's danced before they might be a little kinder to and say that, you're, hey, you're picking up the basics, that's great, but he's gonna get, he or she's gonna get a lot lower score than Amanda, because in general, Amanda's a better, better dancer. So having said all that, she just did another very fine dance last night, or again, I'm just gonna keep saying last night, but I mean Monday, the October 4th show, and she had a total score of 24. Now, they haven't got given out a nine yet this season on the show, and I'm a little surprised. We're going into week four next week. I wouldn't be surprised if we see some nines next week. Uh, next up was Iman, the basketball player, and he did a tango. And, of course, this is the guy that's about a foot and a half taller than his partner, Daniela. And he's impressing me, again, because I have this knowledge of what basketball players usually do on the show, and it's not very, very good. So I'm very impressed with what he's doing. He's not scoring very well with the judges. And Elena, especially, who's a stickler for the traditional dances. Uh, this was a tangle, a very traditional ballroom dance. And when they were in hold, uh, everybody, especially Carrie Ann, said it looked pretty good. And they were happy with in hold. But once he gets out of hold, and he does this, I think, in all his dances, he tends to just bring out his natural rhythm and his swag, and he gets out there and kind of does his own thing, which isn't good for Len because he wants content, and he wants to see tango content. So... He's going to have to work on that. But in the end, you know, he's probably not going to last too long because unless he's got a huge fan base, he's going to end up in the bottom two eventually. 
And my guess is he'll be the one to go that night whenever he does end up there. Uh, total score for the night, 19. Christine was up next. Christine Chu, she did a pasta doble. And I really like Christine, but I think she's in big trouble. She finished in the bottom two last week. We already talked about that. Uh, four men were below her, yet they leapfrogged her when you added in the fan vote. But she had a really nice dance, the Paso, and Carrie Ann remarked that her shaping was very great. And, you know, Lynn, Lynn's a tough one, but he really likes her. And he actually mentioned that, hey, you shouldn't have been in the bottom two last week. And everyone knew that, but it's always nice to say that, I think. And again, that's one of the issues with this show. It's not quite as big an issue for me in the early eliminations, but, but you get to mid-season, and if Christine was still there and she's going home when there's a lot worse male dancers, it'd be a problem. And I mean, it's still a problem now because we don't get to see her the rest of the way. And I, I hate that because she was a good dancer. And I kind of let the cat out of the bag there, didn't I? <laughs> Up number four was JoJo. She's the other uh, great female dancer this season. Uh, she's the one that has Jenna as her partner. And together, they look fantastic. Uh, the first three weeks of the season, and not the first three weeks, the two first weeks of the season, and then the good morning appearance, they dressed identical. This, this week, they had the same kind of dress on, but at least they changed the color up. And uh, I hope they continue to kind of go away from looking like, you know, twins. And the other thing that was remarkable for me was that uh, JoJo got rid of the sparkles and the pixie dust that was in her hair and the crazy colors and the bows and the ribbons. And she really toned it down. And boy, she looked pretty sophisticated and mature for an 18-year-old. And the way she dances is always like that anyways. So they loved it. And she's great at also not just the dance, the technique, but playing to the camera, you know, a wink here and there when the camera's zooming in on her and facial expressions. So JoJo's gonna be there for sure. And the judges are very happy with her. So. Be prepared to see a lot of her this season. Up next, Kenya with the tango. Kenya's great. Uh, you know, she's a 50-year-old gal. I hate to keep bringing that up, but she's impressing me so much with her, with her movement at a little bit of an advanced age. Uh, it's going to be hard for her to hold that for the long haul. As we've talked, this is a very long grind, 10-week uh, season plus the three weeks practicing beforehand, and it wears people down. And obviously, there's been very few successful 50-plus-year-old people that have, have gone deep into the seasons. We've certainly had a few, and uh, Jennifer Gray actually won in her season uh, when she was 50, oldest woman to win. But she battled medical issues the entire season, and there were a couple times she, she was even thinking of dropping out. But she knew she had a great chance to win, so she had incentive to stay in. Uh, Kenya's going to have a long, long way to go. She's got to deal, you know, tighten things up a little bit. She's a little loosey-goosey, probably because she's not a professional dancer. But uh, very good dance, got a score of 21. Uh, Brian Austin Green was next, his tango with his uh, girlfriend, Sharna. And I don't want to be too critical, but Brian is underwhelming for me this year. The first week of the season, I was happy with him. I thought he looked good, especially for the first week. But I think what might have happened with Brian is he had three weeks to practice, just like everybody else for that first week. And if you're a non-dancer and you've got three weeks to learn one dance, you're probably going to be decent at it. Well, week two comes around. you got six days to prepare for the second dance. And same thing with week three, six days. I think it's already catching up with him, a non-dancer. And I'll be surprised if he goes deep into the season. He had a score of 19. Malore Harden up next. 
I think I said last week that she's kind of blending into the woodwork, and I was so glad that they did a little video montage for her at the beginning of her uh, dance, where she was able to kind of show her vulnerability, vulnerability, boy, tough time saying that, and her insecurities. And she cried a little bit and said how difficult this was, and she's out of her comfort zone. And this is a very common theme for non-dancers that have been on the show. But I think it kind of you know, endears her to the people, especially the older ladies who are watching out there thinking, yeah, that would probably be me if, if, if uh, I ever got to do the show. And I just absolutely loved her cha-cha. And, you know, I got to tell you, man, she is a good looking older woman. Uh, they had her all dressed up. Her hair looked fantastic. She just kept her shape really well. And the cha-cha fitted her great, I think. And, uh, you know, that she was able to move her hips a little bit, which gets tougher as you get older. And she made that dance, I thought, look fairly easy. The cha-cha is not an easy dance. None of them are really. But uh, again, the older you get, the harder the dances are going to be. So she got a total score of 23, which was really good, right behind uh, first place for the night. Mel C was up next. Uh, she had a tango. It wasn't the best. Uh, they scored 22 on the night, and she's a better dancer than that. So we'll hope for better things going forward. Carrie Ann said it was a bit forced. Uh, Lynn said it kind of was a bit start-stop in the meeting, uh, in the beginning before she got into the flow of it. So uh, the judges do like her, and they might be a little more critical with her because she is a good dancer, but not such a great night for her at 22. Jimmy Allen up next doing a salsa, and Jimmy's probably got a ton of fans out there. We've talked about the country... Uh, music fans and they really prop their guys and gals up. So I, I think they underscored him in this dance. For some reason, they didn't seem to like it. Carrie Ann was kind of rough with him on his fists. They said they kind of like curled up. His fingers looked weird. Uh, and there, there were a lot of lifts in this dance, which I guess sometimes happens in the salsa. And there was one especially, and Len mentioned it, that looked out of place. It just looked like a lift for the sake of lifts. And that's probably more a pro issue than Jimmy doing it. But uh, they had a little issue coming out of those lists, too. And if you're going to do lists, you have to have a good dismount. So wasn't the greatest score in the world for Jimmy that night with a 20. Olivia Jade up next, the tango with her partner, Val. She's the daughter of Lori Laughlin, and she is like blossoming in front of our eyes. I know it's only been three weeks, but I just continue to be impressed with her each week. And... Uh, Last night or Monday night was no exception. She did a tango with Val. Uh, Carrie Ann actually called it the uh, the uh, dance of the night for her. And Len liked it. She, he liked her attack and her staccato movements, which you have to have in a tango. She got a 24, which tied for first. Good night for Olivia. And here's Cody now coming up. Cody Rigsby and Cheryl. I had mentioned early on that uh, they did the side-by-side -side jazz routine live uh, during the broadcast, and you got to give them credit for doing it. And it was really hard to look at, though, because you want to look at them together. Now, in a jazz routine, you don't have to be in hold, so that was picked, I'm sure, for that reason. And we really didn't even need to look at, at uh, Cheryl that much. But at the same time, they were doing side-by-side, -side, and they were trying to be in sync. And that's very difficult when you're not in the same room, I can only imagine. And all week they were not in the same room, so I had hoped for a little better. But just focusing on Cody's dancing, again, very good. But there were times when, like, he went to his knees once and Cheryl didn't. And at the end of the routine, 
He finished up on a bench and Cheryl just stood up. And I don't know if they were supposed to be doing the same thing the entire dance or not. I would assume so if that's why you have the side by side and uh, you look for things like that, that they are doing the same movements. But there was a lot of missing of that same movement, I thought. And the judges did too. They did say it was very strange times and it requires some strange things to be done, but it makes the judging very difficult. They gave them a low score of the night, three sixes for an 18. I think that was very fair. And boy, this is very problematic if he can't get back in the ballroom because we need to see him excel, which is what the, the show wants, I'm sure, as again, the best man, man on the show this season. Uh, up next was Suni, the gymnast. She did a foxtrot and it, it didn't go over very well. There were a lot of movements in it that didn't really resemble a foxtrot. And of course, Len was all over that because if you're doing a foxtrot, you better have movements in there that resemble a foxtrot. And she really did it. Now, again, she's very good with just technique and she's got a very strong body. And she did a handstand, a real quick handstand on a table and it didn't stick. She had to do a couple movements with her hands after it was supposed to stick. And that's weird for a gymnast. You know, that would be one of her strengths. But uh, she attempted it and it didn't really, it was a little wobbly, I guess is the right way to say it. And the judges called her on it. So they only gave her a score of 21. And again, they kind of commented on her, I guess, lack of expression in her dance. We've mentioned this, it's a recurring theme. And I got a bad feeling that's just the way she's going to be this year, along with previous gymnasts, Nastia Lunkin. And uh, who was the other one that was like that? Uh, oh, Simone Biles. And I don't know how you teach that. That is in them to be very stoic and not to smile and not to be full of expression. And she's very young, too, so it's probably hard to manufacture that. But again, it's a broken record, I know, but she's got to come out of that somehow. That's where Sasha, his partner, has to help her with that. Matt, the bachelor, was up next. He did a tango. And I tell you, I, I'm impressed with Matt as a bachelor nation entrant, kind of like we talked with Iman with a basketball person. They've not had great success. Now, bachelor men have had good success in terms of finishing high in a season, but not in terms of dancing ability. And Matt's got to be one of the better ones from what I've seen. Um, you know, Lynn talked about his footwork not being so good, but he did like the content of the tango, which is big for Lynn. And, uh, but he only gave him a six for a total score of 21. And then the last person up for the evening was The Miz, the uh, WWE wrestler. And he's a lot of fun. He had a fun dance called the salsa. Uh, you know, we've talked about The Miz being full throttle in the wrestling world. And he is at dancing too. And he's got to tone it back a little bit. Even if it's a full throttle dance, he's just so out there. And Carrie Ann mentioned that. She said, you know, you got to give it a little bit softer approach. But I love that Len was very positive and he said, you know, for a non-dancer, which he certainly is, you're doing a great job. And he really is. So I don't want to nitpick him too long. Um, he's only going to go so far, though, probably, unless the WWE fans really vote him heavy going forward. So for the whole night, there were three women at the top of the judges' scorecard, Amanda, Jojo, and Olivia, all at 24. And there were five men at the bottom of the judges' scar card, Cody, Iman, Brian, Jimmy, and Matt, and then everybody else in the middle. Well, you would think if you have five men at the bottom of the judges' scorecard, you're gonna add in the fan votes. Maybe a couple of them will stay in the bottom too because that's five guys. Nope, didn't work that way. All five men 
uh, leapfrogged two of the women, Kenya and Christine. And Kenya and Christine were in the bottom two. And that's just a crime. And that's one of the many issues this show, I have with this show. But it's been this way from the beginning. The judges say doesn't help here because we've got Kenya and Christine, two good dancers. One of them has to go home. And those five guys just skate until next week. And this tells me a lot, too, of who's voting on the show this season. You know, uh, I was thinking maybe the younger demographic who kind of came in to the show last season, but it appears they've left a little bit this season. I thought they might take over some of the voting and they might be a little bit different voters. It's kind of like the baseball world in the Hall of Fame vote. Every year, five or 10 old sportscasters or sports writers fall out and we get five or 10 new young guys in. And the five or 10 new young guys, they all vote for Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds. I know this is getting off dancing, but those are the steroid guys. Well, you look at the old sports writers and they're holding it against them still and they don't vote. So every year those guys go up a little bit because the new voters come in and they vote a certain way. I was kind of hoping that would happen with the young voters. Doesn't look like it is because the, the older voters on this show always treat the men easier than the women. And they certainly happened in night one. Five of the men leapfrogged those two women. So Kenya and Christine in the bottom and Bruno and Carrie Ann picked Kenya to save. So Christine had to go home. Breaks my heart. I thought she was a really good dancer. I think she was only going to get better. She wanted to be there. She loved to be there. And she had to go home. They did ask Len who he would have saved. He actually said Christine. I don't know if he meant that or not. I think he did because he actually said earlier in the night, you know, you shouldn't have been in the bottom two last week. So that was a nice thing for him to say. But since two of the other judges went with Kenya, Kenya stays and Christine goes home. Okay. Well, what do we want to do here? Well, you know me, I always like to do these top 10 lists that I have. And I've always had them in my head, you know, throughout watching the show all these years, but I never wrote them down. And so this has given me an opportunity to kind of write these uh, top 10 lists down and, you know, make sure that they're full, they're fully listed. Sometimes my top 10 lists in my head would only have six or seven people. So I had to do a little more examination. So uh, last week we did a top 10 of the worst male dancers that have been on the show. So I thought, well, this week we're going to do a top 10 of the worst women that have been on the show. Now we have to remember too, that these are just my opinions. So, you know, don't get too mad out there when you don't agree with these. Uh-oh. The opinion alarm. <laughs> Whoo, boy. Yeah, whenever I say the word opinion, that thing fires off. So um, if you are listening in your car, I guess TC just told me you can listen to a podcast in your car um, and you're not agreeing with it and you're banging the dashboard or your, your steering wheel, I hope you're that end of the, the podcast here. <laughs> Just remember, these are my, my opinions, and you can certainly send me your opinions of the worst female dancers to uh, DWTSP1 at Yahoo, my email address. So I mentioned last time that the mail list was what might be one of the harder lists I had to come up with. I guess in one respect it was because I had to narrow the list down to 10, because there were like 30 guys I could put on the list. And I even ex you know, exempted all the older men on, in the show's history, those guys over 70, because they would have been all over the list. You know, come to think of it now, doing the woman's list, I think this was actually harder because there wasn't that many women that have been awful dancers. There certainly has been a few, but 
I had 20 extra guys I could pick from on the male side. I only had three or four or five other women that I could put in this list. So it was a little difficult narrowing it down to the 10 because there was so few to come up with to begin with. But I did come up with the list. And one of the things I wanted to say about this list too is the partners here. You're going to see that Keo Motsepi has three females on this list. Poor Keo never got too many good partners on the show. I hope he comes back. He's not with the show this season. And every year they have reasons for not bringing certain pros back. He wanted to be on the show, he said, but he's not back this year. But I hope he comes back next season. Um, there's another guy on this list five times. Think about that. One pro, in my opinion, was saddled with five of the worst dancers in the history of the show. And that's poor old Tony Dovalani, my namesake. <laughs> Uh, what can you say? Tony was the foot soldier of Dancing with the Stars. He was on 21 seasons as a male pro. That's the most of any male pro that's been on. And only Cheryl Burke beats him, 24 seasons as a pro. And Tony was an older pro compared to some of the younger guys on the show. So he got a lot of the older women. No offense, older women usually aren't going to be the better dancers and they don't move as well and they're not going to last as long. He got a lot of those, and then for whatever reason, he seemed to just get a lot of dancers that had attitudes that really didn't want to be on the show, and they let it be known. And the voting public doesn't tolerate that very well on this show, but poor Tony got stuck with a lot of them. So we're gonna start off the number 10 person in the ten, top 10 most worst women dancers in the history of the show. I have is Kim Zolziak. She was a real housewife, I wanna say of Atlanta, she was in season 21. She finished in 11th place. There were 13 people in season 21. And she only got in three dances and then had to withdraw because she actually suffered some mini strokes and the doctors would not let her travel to LA to perform a dance, even though she was on the men and feeling better. Something about the airline travel and so forth. And there's a good example of a contestant kind of wanting to dance, but not being able to for medical reasons. And they kicked her off the show or where she had to withdraw, however you want to say it, because they didn't have a dance to judge. Well, they made the exception this year, as we talked about with Cody. So you can change things. You know, this is their show, ABC executives. They can kind of do what they want. And I got to give Kim a little props. Uh, she got better in her other two dances. Her first dance was a salsa. And it scored a 12, and it was so bad. It's one of the top 10 worst dances in the history of the show for me. And if you land as a top 10 worst dance in the history of the show, you're probably going to be a top 10 worst dancer in the show. Uh, it, the salsa she did the first week, go back and look at it. Slow motion, low energy. Even when she was clapping, it just, I mean, you could hardly move, see her hands moving. And... Uh, Again, when you're one of the worst dances in the history of the show, you're going to be on my list. I do give her the props, though. She got a little better the next two dances. So Kim is my number 10. My number nine entrant is Martina Navratilova. And I, I, it pains me to do this because she was a happy person on the show. She acted like she wanted to be there. It was great to see Martina in a different you know, light. If you followed her when she played tennis, you know, she was from Czechoslovakia and always kind of a robot on the on the. Uh, tennis court and started beating up on our old Chris Everett here in America. So she had this kind of robotic, almost masculine type mentality or, or image, I think. And it was great to see her come on the show, let her hair down, get some makeup on, wear some cool clothes. 
And she only had two dances because she was not very good. Martina was in season 14, finished in, uh, let's see, that would have been, last, was the last place? Yeah, she was last place in season 14 and had two dances. Um, I do have a little audio here. This is Martino, Martina finishing up one of her dances. And you'll hear the judges here. Sometimes when people are bad dancers, especially if they have a bad attitude, the judges laid into them. But they didn't want to do it here because Martina, such a, I don't know, happy person, a nice person, they're happy to be on the show. Here I am. Because I love the approach to this routine. There's such I love your attitude, going for it, having fun, and really showing us a whole other side of you. And I love all the joy, and it's nice. But unfortunately, I think we missed like two counts of eight in the middle, a couple more two counts of eight in the in the side. And it was jive on a diet. Yeah, it was a little slow on the on the jive. But you know, it's it's so nice to see you out here. I just I really enjoy watching you dance and your attitude. I Thank you very much. You made an old man happy early at the start there. It was too neat and it was too precise. The jive is all about really whamming us. And for me, all a little bit, as I said last week, a little bit careful. You've got to come out and attack these dances. And unfortunately, I didn't see that. All right, and Bruno. Oh, my darling, I think that serve went into the net. <laughs> <laughs> It, is, it happens. It happens to everybody. We've seen it before. You, you go on the wrong foot. You can't keep up with the dance. But there were some moments when you, actually, when you let your hair down and you relax, you're enjoyed, it's good. So I hope you stay in and next week, Thank come you. back and hit that yeah. smash yeah. There we go. Yeah, they were pretty kind to her. Um, like a lot of non-dancers, she was very slow in her movements. I'm sure it comes from lack of self-confidence. And it's amazing to think about that, you know, one of the greatest players in tennis, her chosen profession, and then you come out and you're like a fish out of water when you're dancing. But uh, she forgot a lot of her steps, and boy, when you're a non-dancer, it's hard to get back into the rhythm of the dance once you start off wrong or forget some steps. So Martina's my number nine. Number eight, uh, worst dancer of, on the woman's side, Barbara Corcoran. She is one of the shark tank, shark tank people. And boy, you need to go back and look at some of Barbara's dances. She only had two dances. She was in season 25 and finished in 13th place, which was last. Um, and I got to cut Barbara a little slack. She was 68 years old when she was on the show. And I guess I forgot to mention, but like I did with the men last week, I just eliminated the older men so that they wouldn't be on the list. I did the same thing with the women. Anyone over 70, I didn't even consider for the top 10 list here because, again, when you get older, it's just tough to move. And it seems unfair to put them on the list. So you're not going to see uh, who, who are some of the old people. Cloris Leachman or Betsy Johnson or uh, uh, Patti LaBelle. Some of these gals that didn't move very well at all and they were over 70. So they're not going to be on the list. So got to cut Barbara a little slack because she was 68. Um, one of the things that was either funny or awkward about her was and this was Keo's partner again. Uh, I mentioned Keo and Tony had Martina and Kim. So there's Tony's two bad ones to start off. And then Keo had Barbara. Um, she made a lot of sexual comments towards Keo. And Keo's a good looking guy, of course, you know, half her age. And she just made comments about wanting to see his shirt with his shirt off. And just it was sexually energy that she felt when she danced with him. And watch one of her, uh, I don't remember which dance it was. She only had two, but when she's getting the critique from the judges, she's got her left hand down on Keo's upper inner thigh and was not moving it. And I just wondered, 
is she touching something there or is he okay with it? It just was really awkward, but it was kind of funny too in a lot of respects. So uh, there you go, Barbara, number nine or number eight on my list. Number seven, another Tony Dolani partner, Wendy Williams, the talk show host. Not too much to say about her. It's just the general stuff with non-dancers, slow-footed, heavy-footed, uh, understated in all her movements. And, you know, she's a bigger-than-life person, uh, you know, physically and, and just her attitude on her show, her talk show. And then she got on the dance floor and everything was muted and everything was small. And she only lasted three dances. She was in season 12, finished in 10th place, which was second to last. Number six on my list of the top 10 worst women dancers, Carol Baskin. She was just on last season, the Tiger King lady. Uh, finished in second to last. Uh, Charles Oakley finished in last. She had three dances. And this was probably not of her choosing. I don't know if she were, was allowed to choose dances. Excuse me. From time to time, you hear the producers pick all the dances. And then other times you hear that celebrities have a say in it. They might have a say in it, but in the end... The producers choose it, but she had three dances that were all cat themed and it was okay, but it was kind of like, really, you just going to keep hitting that. I wanted to see a little bit different side of her and all her costumes had the cat theme to them. And again, uh, Carol was a little older and just didn't move much again. She did a lot of walking and, you know, you'd have to glide and do steps when you dance. And uh, she did a lot of walking through her movements. So Carol Baskin, number six on my list. Number five on my list, Lolo Jones, the Olympian. A young gal, too, so it's kind of surprising she made this list for me. But again, she had one of the classic bad dances. She was in season 19, finished in last place, only had the one dance. Uh, again, Keo's partner. Go back and look at Cha-Cha, her dance on YouTube. Oh, boy, again, a classic top 10 bad dance. And so when you have that kind of dance, you're going to be in my list. The typical stuff, just stiff, no rhythm. Uh, walked through a lot of her steps and she had a facial expression of a deer in the headlights and that's not good you know part of dancing is performing and even if you don't feel comfortable you've got to sell it again I don't want to come down on her too hard but Lolo Jones my fifth top 10 worst woman dancer number four Kate Gosselin and Kate wasn't an awful dancer she wasn't good but she wasn't awful but she's so high on my list because of her attitude on the show Another one of Tony Dovalani's partner, and I've got a little audio clip here. It's a couple minutes long, so bear with me. But it was one of their exchanges. Kate was in, by the way, season 10, quite a while ago, finishing eighth place. She actually had six dances, so she did have a few decent dances. But again, another classic bad dance in her dance, her Pasa Doble. But here's a little audio clip of her and Tony talking. They sometimes would show video clips before they actually show the dance. And this was really uncomfortable. And I don't think they were playing to the camera here, but uh, just listen to this and you'll get an idea of kind of the friction between them. Kick, step, I kick. don't feel like I'm doing it. The biggest challenge with Kate and I is the fact that every time I teach her a new dance, it's literally me teaching her a whole new language all over again. You're there, Which you're there. Which do I step with, remind me. And it could get tiring because nothing in dancing is natural to Kate. Um, step. No, 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 you were fine with your feet. I can't see it in my head. Can you just show me? We don't have enough time. I'm not stressed. Really? Then why don't you start paying attention to my teaching then? 
Why am I'm, I'm trying to show you. Like, I don't so remember. You're don't asking ask me questions. Exactly. I just... So you don't ask every time you get here, babe. I'm trying to say, why do the ladies, ladies always write? Which reminds you that it's always the right foot. But that doesn't tell me everything I need to know. It's like, you're telling me how to teach you how to dance? I do. I, that's what I do for a living. He feels like I undermined him as a teacher, and I didn't. I'm not qualified to teach, but I am qualified to know how it is that I want something to be shown to me. Like, I just want to learn. Like, like, show me so I can get it. I love how you teach, but you're not taking into consideration how I learn. I'm a little baffled right now. I've become a world champion myself. I taught world champions. I teach teachers how to teach. I've never been questioned on my teaching ever before. I apologize for that, and that none of that was to be taken offensively. All it was was the fact that I just wanted to see so it was my fault, the right? step. This whole thing. You're not hearing what I'm saying, and what I'm saying I've is... I've heard you all day. My... I'm done. I'm done today. I've tried everything. I've been just a nice guy. I'm done. Please don't make arguments where there's none. I quit. You can't quit. There's no... I don't get it. I don't get it. That uh, was one of their interactions, and Tony did come back and apologize to her. I don't know how much of this stuff is staged. I don't think a lot of it is, and you know, I've never seen an, a professional, <laughs> he put down his mic in the video and says, I quit at the end. And I remember vividly watching this live way back in season 10, thinking, like she just said, I don't get it. I, I, I like, what the hell just happened? Is he talking about he's quitting tonight or he's quitting the entire show or he's dumping her as a partner? I didn't get it. And if you listened, and I'm not trying to defend her, um, she might have said some things there that were not that, not that great. I didn't think they were that bad. But Tony kind of got on his high horse and said, you know, I'm a professional dancer. I teach professionals. I've been doing this my whole life. And I'm like, I don't think a pro dancer needs to be treating their celebrity partner that way. So I think there was push and pull on both sides. And I don't know, it was just a strained relationship the whole time. And sometimes I thought she did say some bad things, but that exchange there I didn't think was that bad. And I think sometimes these pros forget that they're dealing with people that are starting from scratch. And some people are slow learners and they're getting paid a lot of money to try to teach these people. And if they got stuck with a bad partner that year, yeah, tough, just suck it up and move on. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think there's a little blame that could go both ways there. But uh, Kate did have a bad attitude on other of, uh, others of the shows. And then she did have a really, really bad pasta doble. Again, a classic bad dance. So Kate Gosselin, my number four, top 10 worst woman. My number three, again, another Tony Dovolani partner, Winona Judd. Season 18, second to last place. Uh, probably would have finished in last, but the 12th place finisher, uh, what was her name? <laughs> I could see her, but I can't think of her name now. She was an ice skater. Oh, Dorothy Amell. Uh, she had to withdraw due, due to a medical issue. Uh, Winona, mm, it was rough. She had three dances. And the reason she's so high on my list, and this is big for me, is she got worse as time went along. Her third and last dance was her worst dance. Again, another classic bad dance. If you look on the top 10 list of bad dances, her samba is awful. And ugh, I don't know what more to say about that. It was just not good. And it was all your typical stuff. Slow, uh, lead-footed, uh, 
a lot of standing around, a lot of posing, not much dancing. And then it all came to head in that third dance of hers. And then, of course, she was voted off. So Winona Judd, my number three worst dancer among the women. Number two, Misha Barton. And uh, if you're a fan of the show, I'm sure you remember Misha Barton, a real, how do I say this, maybe bad egg. She did not want to be on the show. She did and wanted and did blame everybody for anything that went wrong. She was only there a couple weeks. She was in season 22, finished in 11th place, had three dances. Her and her partner, Artem, got into it a couple times. Um, And again, I think I have some audio for her too. Some of these are just kind of cringeworthy to listen to, but uh, you'll see here, she was not happy with her time on the show. Reaction to your second live show. On a scale of one to bad, bad. I really thought that we were gonna nail that dance. It just didn't fit to the music. I felt terrible. Five. That's my worst case scenario. Misha's reaction after Monday Night Show was I think upsetting. I was relying on you to make it a positive experience. But you were already in the zone of like being not wanting to do this. That's my honest opinion. Look, I don't know what more I can do. Like, I've tried. I really, I don't. Like, I can't do another week of this. Okay, he's, just, he's not getting it, and it's horrible for me. The day of the show was very stressful. Ah, there you go. Uh, She wanted out, you could tell, and she did everything to act like she wanted it out. I remember the first show she did, and I didn't know anything about Misha Barton, because she's an actress, and I just saw this pretty young gal that looked great in the clothes they had for for her, and I thought, oh, this is going to be fun to watch. And she turned me off so fast, you know, as a lover of the show, I want people to like the show and to come on for the right reasons. I don't know why in the world she did the show other than make a lot of money, but she was a bad egg. And you heard there that she was kind of blaming Artem for him not making the show better for her or easier for her. Oh boy, it was a bad deal. Maybe not the best, worst dancer in the world, but with that attitude, that makes her so high on my list. Misha Barton, number two. And then we go to the number one worst female dancer of all time. And for me, this really is a no-doubter or, or kind of like Master P when I had him as the no-doubt worst male dancer. This person is my no-doubt worst female dancer and it's got nothing to do with her attitude. She smiled a lot and uh, you know there was no negativity or bad attitude or anything. She just was an awful dancer. So my number one top 10 worst woman dancer is... is Shaka Khan, season 21, 13th place, which was last, of course. Oh boy, she had two dances. Again, another classically bad dance, her foxtrot. Uh, She sat on a chair for like 20 seconds. And, you know, this is what you do when you can't dance. You either sit in a chair or you stand in the middle of the the floor and your pro dances around you. Um, She made mistakes. She didn't recover from mistakes. Uh, I, I guess almost anything you want to say, you could say about her. And then on top of it all, she had a tough time practicing. Keo, again, one of the uh, tough guys that got a lot of tough partners. He mentioned that she had a very strict schedule when she could practice. And it was like, you know, no, 
no excuses on her part, no leniency on her part. She was only going to practice when she was only going to practice. And of course that makes it tough. And then your heart's not in it. And then you miss steps and forget steps. So Shaka Khan, my number one worst woman dancer ever in Dancing with the Stars history. Okay, let's do a little ticket uh, palate cleansing here, which we like to do from time to time. We're going to focus on the musers here. Most of these will be Dancing with the Stars related. The musers loved the bit for a little while, or at least tolerated it. Junior loved it for a while. Uh, Gordo was indifferent to it. George never liked it. But in the early days, Junior was so... I guess fascinated by it, that he would get me on their show once in a while, and then that all ended, and I still have doubts of how that ended. Did, did Junior just tire of the bit after two or three years, or did Giorgio get him up in the cubicle area with the uh, forearm under the neck and say, hey, we're not having this guy back on again? I don't know. But early on, they did have me on. I was on two or three Gordo's Corner segments, I think, almost his entire segment, and the musers themselves, George and Craig, Yes, Muser's proper, although George or Gordo needs to be included in that. Uh, sometimes their 5.30 segment, when I would work a remote for them, they would talk to me maybe before Gordon was there. And so they seemed to like the bit a little bit. And this is going way back. I want to say this is about six, seven years ago. And it's the first segment of the day for the Musers. I was on remote with them. Gordo wasn't with them. And they were just talking to me a little bit about my love of the show. And I did have a couple red-eye trips coming up, going to the show that uh, they thought was pretty crazy. So let's listen to a little of that. Coming up here in 20 minutes. So we're out at Rudy's this morning, and joining us out here is our engineer, Tony. Tony. Tony, good morning. How are you? Morning, musers. Now, P1s may be familiar with Tony not only for his fine engineering work over the years. <laughs> well. But, <laughs> but that he also hosted a Dancing with the Stars show uh, maybe about a month ago now. Two months. Two months. There you go. It just seems like a month. And I was flattered to be a special guest on your show. So, number one, you did a really nice job that night. I enjoyed listening well, to thanks it. thanks very much. Did you keep listening after your segment, or was that no, it? No, there's no way. <laughs> no, actually, I did. Ah. I kept listening, and I thought you did a great job, and you had your round table, which was entertaining. And How about you, George? Did you listen? I... I, I was doing some messing. I really wanted to. Because, you, as you know, my wife is a huge fan, not only of the show, but of Tony. Wow. She's so impressed that someone else likes the show as much as she does. <laughs> but she can't, uh, I mean, she can't recite year to year like Tony can. But, mm -hmm. she, I mean, she's, she's watched every episode. All right. Yeah, for those who don't know, Tony is, of all of the straight men in the United States, he is the number one Dancing with the Stars fan with slash... <laughs> expert of all the straight men. Is that correct? I don't think so. But Oh, you're not straight? <laughs> no, I don't think I'm the number one fan of the straight oh. men. So. Yeah, I think you are the only dude I know. <laughs> yeah, you are. That A, watches the show, and then B, knows something about it. Guess where I'm going to be Monday night. Mm. You're going back? Going back. Are you really? Semifinals, yes. Got both wow. hands in the air right We're now. We're already to the semifinals? Yeah, okay. season's almost over. Wow. Very happy, sad time. So you have been planning this trip for a while, I take it. No, you know how it works. You get that email, and it's like oh, a mad that's right. rush. That's right. So that was just last uh, couple days ago, and it made it work. And so, yeah. So you email them, and you don't know what episode you might get, or do you request a specific episode no, that you want to come see? You just join a wait list, and that's if you're right. lucky, you may get an email that says, "Hey, can you come Monday?" And you get the email like on Thursday or Friday. So, so you were able to scrape together airfare and get out there? And well, you know, it's interesting. I actually had a trip planned, 
um, already. And I thought, do I have to change that? Nope, I'm going to try to combine them. But guess wow. where I'm going to be on the trip? Hmm. Boston, about as far away as you can get. <laughs> well, you got to cancel Boston, right? Nope, I'm taking two red eyes. Oh my oh, God! Man. Yeah. So, so when do you go? When do you go up to Boston? Tomorrow. And then when will you make the cross-country trip to L.A.? Uh, Sunday night, Monday morning. It's a red eye. I get in early Monday morning um, at Bay or in L.A. and then go straight to the show and get in line. Uh, you know, and hardly any sleep, and then go to the show, and then take the red eye back Monday. So oh. Monday night, sun slice Tuesday morning. You're so. going to be so beaten down Tuesday. Yeah, uh, and I was. <laughs> I did do that. I took the red eye from Boston to L.A. Sunday night. Got up, or uh, got into Boston or L.A. Went to the show. Got dressed in a restroom somewhere. Uh, went to the show all day and all night, pretty much. Went straight back to LAX that night and took a red eye back to Dallas. And yeah, I was pretty wasted on Tuesday. Uh, that shows you the links that I was willing to go to to go to the show that I love so much. So um, this one here, I think I was on uh, Gordo's Corner in this one. And they were talking to me. In fact, yeah, this was the time I went out um, and I got on, I guess, air on the TV broadcast behind Tom. And... Uh, they were asking me a little about that and just about my trip out there. So let's listen to a little of that. So I have Peter King coming up. Oh, do we have to cut yeah. off early from the corner? Okay, let's get to our guest. This is Tony. He's our engineer. He went to Dancing with the Stars and saw what happened last night. Tony, what happened? Morning, users. Hi. Hey. Hey. What's up? Tony, well, what happened? <laughs> First of all, we couldn't believe it when we came into work this morning and our Twitter timelines were full of pictures of you Right behind Tom Bergeron, you made it out to the taping of Dancing with the Stars season premiere, and I'm guessing thanks to some P1s who got you tickets? Yes, thank you to Ruth, P1 Ruth. She uh, hooked me up. She was the very first email I looked at, and she took care of it, so I didn't have to ask go any further but it was an overwhelming response from the P1s. Can't thank them enough. And you went to the premiere. That is a pretty big honor. Season premiere. Oh, really? Yeah, I haven't been to a premiere before, and there's a little extra that goes into that, such as the very first sequence when they had us down on the floor. I guess I caught on the camera, like you said. I was behind Tom for the opening sequence. <laughs> Have and, you seen uh, the picture? I tweeted out a picture, and Junior tweeted out a screenshot of you right behind him. Yeah, I, I got uh, back to the hotel last night. They take your phone, so you can't look at your phone until your you know the show's over and everything. And I'm not a big social media guy anyway, so I didn't even really look at the phone until I got back to the hotel. And, uh, oh, my gosh, yeah, the first tweet, I think Corby sent it out. It was a picture of me behind Tom, and I'm like, this is so bizarre. I guess I made the TV broadcast. So for those who don't know, Tony is, he says he's straight, and he's the... Are you still claiming that, by the way? He's the biggest fan of Dancing with the Stars who is a straight man in the world. Is that correct? You've given me that moniker. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> well, you are a big fan of Dancing with the Stars. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And you do claim to be straight. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> reluctantly, you claim that. Uh, no, not reluctantly. <laughs> oh, gosh, there you go. Gordo giving me the business a little bit there. This was the trip that had the uh, Ryan Lochte incident. And that's going to be in one of my top 10 lists down the road. So I'm not going to play that audio right now. But uh, there was a little more to this that they uh, wanted to talk about. 
and we'll just listen to that now. Did not. <laughs> well, it really was an epic night. I had a blast, and I won't forget this one for a long time, that's for sure. Did you do any drinking after the show? No, we kind of just uh, came back to the hotel. I was in line at 9 a.m., so I was exhausted. Uh, the show, you don't get in until 5, so... I was in line for eight hours outside, so... Oh, wait, 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 tickets. You're in line huh? for eight hours? Why are you in line when you have tickets? Well, I got an email from Ruth, the P1, on Saturday when I landed in L.A., and she said, hey, I just got this. You might want it. It said on the email, if you're in line and you're in the first 30 people, you get to go to the dress rehearsal. So you knew damn sure I was going to be in that one of the first 30. Oh, my <laughs> God. Just so I could go to the dress rehearsal. Yeah. Yeah. Why? So Why fly. did you want to go? Was that worth all those hours in line? Yeah, it was. That's when I got to talk to Ryan. Yeah, it was. It was awesome. That dress rehearsal is so cool because they're all dressed in their best, and they're all right there. Every one of them was right there. All thirteen contestants and pros. And uh, man, it was great. If and I it was just it was again. just thirty people that were there at the dress rehearsal. They actually let a few more in. I want to say it was close to 35 or 40, maybe. I guess that is pretty cool, right? Because the regular audience is a few hundred people. Yeah, that's your thing. That's pretty intimate. Would you wait eight hours in line for anything? No. No. Yeah, I would. I I wouldn't wait eight hours in line for for life-saving medicine. To see a U2 sound check, I'd wait eight hours. I'd wait eight days, probably. I could make it. It's not that hard. You're just sitting there. Yeah, yeah, it's, but, and, yeah. And, and you're Tony, so it's not like, you know, what else is there to do? Right. Hey. Oh, uh, can you hear you're me? Still can you hear line. everything I say? Don't bring me down, Gordon. I'm having a good no, day. No, I'm not. Gordon, bring him down in the night of his life. I'm trying to convince him Tony? that it was the greatest moment of his life. He's the one downplaying it, George. Oh, my gosh. There you go. Gordon with the re- great reversal of the whip. He gig somebody and then turns it around and says, I'm trying to help him. Oh boy. Um, quick backstory there too. I kept mentioning P1 Ruth. I had been on the Musers, uh, I don't know, a couple weeks before. And I put out the message for the P1s to help me get tickets to the show. Tickets to the show were very hard to get for the first few seasons that I was trying. And the P1s of this station are just so incredible. Uh, she got me tickets. She submitted her email, and, and, and she just gave the tickets to me. There was a guy in North Carolina, Jim, I believe his name was. He did it later in the season. Believe that. A guy listening online went to that effort, and he didn't know me from Adam other than my time on the station. So really nice people to do things like that. And, boy, uh, that tickets, uh, the tickets I got for that show that Ruth gave me, that was the Ryan Lochte show, and it was the show I got on the, the TV uh Uh, behind Tom. So really special show that I'll never forget. And we'll probably talk about that a little more down the road. Uh, Okay, let's just finish up here with uh, one more Musers uh, thing. Uh, Those guys were in Gordo's Corner. I wasn't with them, but they have uh, TVs in their studio. And one of the TVs in this morning was uh, tuned to Good Morning Texas. It's a local talk show here in Dallas. And uh, Gordon and George and Craig are doing their, their corner of their segment with Gordon. And next thing you know, George is pointing to the TVs. Now, he didn't say anything, and I don't know if he wanted to bring it up, but they saw him pointing at the TVs, and here's how that sounded. That uh, it was actually pre-Harvey Weinstein. What are you pointing to? You don't have to just keep going. <laughs> okay. What's going on? 
Tony is that Montero. Tony? Oh my God! Okay, George just pointed to a television that's on a particular local station that has Tony, our engineer, who is on the air talking about Dancing with the Stars. Dancing with the Stars. Dancing with the Stars. Dang, Sean's on the internet. Turn it up. Pull this up. I can't believe. Here, you got the. You know how to control that one? Uh, you want me to try to figure it out in Sean's room? Yeah. Here, George, you handle this one. You go to this one over here. I'll do it. This is unbelievable to me. You know, we had a ticket ticker guy who turned his watching of reality TV into a full-time career, and he goes by Reality Steve. Uh, he, I don't know if you can uh, hear that. Performed the Roomba with with that level of quality and 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 motion. Yeah, maybe he has an unfair advantage, Tony but a lot though, of people don't take advantage oh, of it. That's a great yeah. way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to call it an that's advantage. Tony. I wouldn't call it an unfair advantage because if you look at the history right. of the show, every year you have people with dance experience and no dance experience. He has an advantage, but this show is built this way, so I wouldn't call it unfair. And he took advantage of it. Thanks yeah. for being in this morning. Really appreciate it. Pleasure. Very pretty stuff last night and we have a really special giveaway for dance okay dessert. so that is ridiculous that our engineer is now is there an expert on the a television expert fancy with the stars okay anyone who tuned oh gosh i get such a kick out of listening to that yeah a television expert i guess or dancing with the stars expert Oh, really funny. But uh, it was just funny that they even spent time to do that. Um, Sean, the ticker guy, wasn't in his room, so I guess they had to figure out how to get the audio up. But uh, those were special times, getting to go on Good Morning Texas. I got to do that a couple times and uh, talk about this show that I love so much. Okay, so there's some ticket audio. Um, that was focused on the musers there. As I mentioned, they have given up on the bit. Next week, I'm thinking of bringing in some ticket audio of the actual musers being disgusted by it, especially George. You can hear their reaction the very few times I ever mentioned anything on their show. And of course, those days are over now. I know better. They have really turned their back on it. So we may do that uh, next week. Who knows? But uh, let's do a little more Dancing with the Stars talk here before we uh, wrap her up this week. Now, I've been looking back at some seasons of Dancing with the Stars because this show has such a history and so many iconic things have been going on. I've been looking at three seasons each week. We're not going to go deep, but we're going to hit the highlights of each of these seasons. So uh, this week, I want to look at seasons 10, 11, and 12. And it was quite a while ago, but I do remember it like it was yesterday. Ah, yes. Season 10 premiered on March 22nd, 2010. Had 11 contestants. Uh, the not, Season 9 before it, we talked about it last week, they had 16. Or, yeah, it was a 16. That was crazy. They went, went all the way down to 11 contestants in Season 10. Kind of a, a big change there. I think they found out quickly that 16 was kind of a wheeled, unwieldy number, at least in the old days of the show. Champion was Nicole Scherzinger, one of the greatest female dancers ever. Second, Evan Lysacek. Third, Aaron Andrews, who then became uh, a co-host of the show uh, after Brooke Burke, who was co-hosting at that season, of course. Brooke had it until season 17, and then Aaron took over in season 18. This was a dominant season by Nicole Scherzinger, and that's saying something. Uh, she won by over a point on the judges' scorecard because the second-place finisher, Evan Lysacek, the Olympic ice dancer, he was fantastic, and I think he's one of the guys in the history of the show that is really undervalued and underappreciated. I don't know if he's a top 10 male dancer. We're going to have that list later, but he's knocking on the door if he's not. 
And uh, like I said, he would have won other seasons, I think. Uh, but Nicole was just too dominant that season, of course. And in fact, Nicole was number one on my list. Let's see, all the way till about season 18, I think. So uh, I thought a lot of her too, but it's too bad Evan had to be in the same uh, season as Brooke. In fact, here's a dance from Evan that he did. And I, I know you can't see it, but it was his Argentine tango. This is another one. I'm thinking of putting this one in my top 10 dances of all time. But just listen to the judges talk about Evan, and this will give you an idea how much they loved him too. Now let's go to the judges. Gary, I'm going to start with you. Evan Lysacek has the eye of the tiger. You were so You were like beaming beams of light. It was so sexy, so refined. Just the perfect combination of power, control. It was, oh, it was hot, sexy in a whole different way. I loved it. Len. Well, Evan, I knew you were nice on ice, but I had my doubts if you were going to be good on wood. But I'll tell you, I've got a paddle in here that I haven't used yet. I'm going to dust it off because that wow. was fantastic. Wow. All right. Bruno. You dance like a true alpha male. You really conquered your territory tonight. Strong, powerful, <laughs> determined, aggressive, sexy, everything a girl would want. All right. Obviously, very high praise from the judges. Um, I believe he got a perfect score there. I'm pretty sure he did. What, the way Len said, uh, I'm dusting off a paddle, and you know the other two would go along with it. So... Uh, I, I just wanted to give Evan a little props uh, there because I don't know if he's going to make my top 10 list or not, but uh, certainly one of the better male dancers to ever be on the show. Uh, Buzz Aldrin was in this season, the oldest male in the show's history at 80. Uh, this was the season we had disgruntled Kate Gosselin, who we heard from a little while ago in the worst female dancer list. Let's see here. Uh, we had no 10s in the freestyle in this season. And I bring that up because the freestyle dance is the last dance that the public gets to vote on. That used to really matter on this show. And I loved it when it did because the freestyle is supposed to wow us. And if it doesn't wow us, I don't think it deserves 10s. Even if you have done great choreography and you hit all the steps, if it's just a little bit longer version of a tango, let's say, We've seen that. We've seen a tango. And in season 10, we hadn't seen all the dances yet. So I just, I, I, I hated it when people lack creativity and they still get tens, which happens all the time these days. So this was back when the freestyle was judged harshly, or at least you need to wow us. And like I said, I really loved it. Not only did, did it matter to me for the fan vote, because you want to impress us, but the judges today, they just give out 10 like Halloween candy. Everybody gets 10s, and it's just disgusting, and it's one of the things that really bothers me about the show right now. And I, don't, I hope that they're not told to do this by the producers. I don't think they are, but boy, I would love to have a talk with those judges because that's one of the reasons that led to Armageddon in season 27, which we'll get to down the road. Uh, do you think that bothers me? I know I bring it up every week, don't I? But uh, anyways, no 10s were given out in the freestyle. And that's saying something when you had Evan Lysacek and uh, Nicole Scherzinger as your top two dancers. Uh, Derek won his second uh, Mirabal Trophy as a pro. And I wanted to give a shout out to Edita Slavinska, the first uh, pro dancer and the only pro dancer to be in all of the first 10 seasons of the show. And that was pretty much it for her. I think she came back for one season and got paired with Geraldo Rivera. I don't know what she deserved uh, did to deserve that because that was a train wreck to say the least. Uh, 
Season 11 premiered in uh, September of 2010. Went back up to 12 couples. Jennifer Gray was your champion. Kyle Massey was second, a, a Disney kid, and Bristol Palin was third. Another dominant season, this time by Jennifer Gray. Uh, there was someone named Brandy Norwood who should have finished second to Jennifer or maybe even given Jennifer a run for her money, but she finished fourth. And this was another season where someone like Bristol Palin had a ballot box stuffing outing going on, and she finished a lot higher than she should have. Uh, Brandy was probably even better than Kyle, the second place finisher, but Kyle was fun dancer, so I'm not necessarily going to say that. Um, notables in the season, Adriana Patridge, one of the most wrong persons in the history of the show. We talked about her on our wrong persons list a couple weeks ago. Uh, probably should have been third or fourth in the season, ended up finishing seventh. Again, a young, beautiful woman that the fans just don't support that very often. Uh, Florence Henderson was in this season, the second oldest female to ever be on the show. And the first person to pass away as a Dancing with the Stars alum. She passed away in 2016. And it was really sad for many reasons. Obviously, Mrs. Brady, I grew up watching the Brady Bunch. But partly because she was such a friend to the show. She loved Dancing with the Stars. And she would be in the audience a lot before and after her appearance on the show. In fact, I remember uh, the, the year she passed, 2016. She passed in November. And I was at the finale of that show, uh, November 21st, I want to say, and she passed away three, day, three days later. And she was there, and Norman Lear was there, and there were a lot of celebrities in the audience because it was the, the finale. And I just remember they talked to Norman Lear, and she was right there, and I remember seeing her, and then boom, you see it in the paper, you know, three days later she'd passed. So it was a sad time. But uh, Florence Henderson, the second oldest female to ever be on the show in season 11. Uh, interesting too, season 11 had two of the worst males ever, Michael Bolton and David Hasselhoff. We talked about Michael last week. Um, and then season 11 also featured a special for the 200th episode. And a lot of the uh, pros and celebrities came back. A lot of fun. If you are a history buff of the show, that was the 200th episode in season 11. And then Derek Hoff won his third Mirrorball trophy back to back because he won in season 10 also. All right, season 12, March of 2011, back to 11 couples. Heinz Ward was your champion, the football player. Kirstie Alley was second, and Chelsea Kane, a Disney kid, was third. Chelsea Kane probably should have won this season, in my opinion. Heinz Ward was a worthy champion, though. I don't have any problem with it. Just very glad that Kirstie Alley didn't win. Again, nothing against her personally. It's just that she was not a legitimate uh, champion, in my opinion. And I'm really surprised she didn't win. I know football players get a lot of support from the fan voting base, but I thought Kirstie Alley might be able to pull that off because she was kind of the voting demographic. An older woman had a little sass to her, and I thought they might, a lot of people might relate to her. In general, this was one of the least talented fields ever, in my opinion. You could just look down the list of celebrities other than Chelsea Kane and then Heinz Ward. I don't really see anybody else that stood out. Romeo was okay. Ralph Macchio was okay. But uh, and then mentioned Romeo there. He actually competed in season 12 after uh, being scheduled to be on season two. And that's when his dad, Master P, filled in for him and had <laughs> his interesting season in season two. Uh, let's see. Derek Huff, we just talked about. I would have loved to seen if he could have come back and been a three-peat. But he had to miss season 12. He was... Uh, doing a uh, movie that season, and it was the only season he missed in his uh, 16 consecutive season run on the show. He then took another season off and came back and finished one more season to, to be 17-time uh, pro 
in the rankings of all the pros. I would have put him probably fourth, I want to say. We had Tony Dovolani, Mark Ballas. I think he might be tied, Derek might be tied with Max and Val, the two brothers, about 17 shows each. Uh, this season featured a really gruesome injury uh, to Kim Johnson, now Kim Herjavec, which was Heinz Ward partner. I remember vividly watching this. And when it happened, I thought, oh my God, she broke her neck. You'd have to go find the video on YouTube. Uh, just a horrific looking injury. And uh, she came back and performed an Argentine tango. And that's one of my favorite Argentine tangos of all time because Heinz treated her with kid gloves, but yet strong, but very supportive. And it was a very emotional time because she could have been paralyzed. It was really scary. Uh, her first reaction was, I can't feel my legs or my arms or something. It was really, really bad. But uh, she made it through. But it was just one of those notable moments in the history of the show for me. This was when the show started making some inroads into doing different things, kind of going into the next generation. They had their first season with the troupe, which is basically the backup dancers. And that became more and more uh, noteworthy as the seasons went along. The troupe became a bigger and bigger part of the presentation each week. And for some reason, this was one of the last great seasons of ratings. Uh, after this, it started the steady decline that never really recovered from. And uh, I don't know why. I didn't think there was a lot of talent in this season, but season 12 was a high rating season. And then Kim Johnson, who I mentioned had the bad injury with Heinz Ward, she was Heinz' partner, and so she became a two-time champion on the pro side. Okay, well, let's get to our trivia question. For those of you that haven't listened yet, we're giving away a free trip to go see Dancing with the Stars live and in person in season 31. I know it's a ways off, but uh, I've taken five, uh, I've had five different people win trips out to the show, had a blast with all of them. And uh, I would like to take you if you're a big fan of the show. So what we're doing is each week, I'm asking a quick question of the previous week's podcast. And it's real easy, obviously, even if you didn't listen to that podcast, you can go back and listen to it and find it. And then you're going to turn those questions into me at the end of the season, which is only, gosh, another six weeks away for our questions, I think. And uh, whoever gets them all right goes to the show. If we have a tie, we'll have a tiebreaker at the end of the season. This week's question. Last week, I mentioned one of the celebrities was a huge fan of Dancing with the Stars. And that person got to be on the show after seeing every episode, just like I have, and being in the audience many times, just like I had. They showed pictures of this celebrity in the audience, and uh, that's all this question is going to be. Who is the celebrity that I mentioned last week on the podcast that was a gigantic fan of Dancing with the Stars and had seen every episode? Turn out the lights, the party's over. <laughs> they say that all good things must end. Call it a night, the party's over. Tomorrow and next year starts the same old thing. Well, we all know what that means. That's old dandy Don Meredith uh, singing us out. Uh, we got to get out of here. We don't have to go home, but we do have to get out of here. I'm actually in TC's uh, makeshift studio. He's moving, and uh, I appreciate him setting this up and getting this ready for me. He's spent a lot of work doing it. Um, he's doing his podcast, I guess, over at his buddy Jake's house, but uh, he did all this just for me so I could get this in this week. So thanks very much, TC. Um, and what we like to do also as we're leaving is we like to play a little music from a former contestant that's been on Dancing with the Stars. I think you'll recognize this one pretty quickly. Yo, 
VIP. Let's kick it. Of course, this is Vanilla Ice and his hit Ice Ice Baby. Vanilla Ice was in season 23, finished in 10th place, and he's one of those guys on the show, or gals for that matter, there's always seems like one every season where I want to see more of. Um, I liked his dancing, and of course he danced to this song on the show, and it was fantastic. Now it should be, because he did all the choreography back then and he just meshed it with Whitney as Parter to make it have a ballroom feel, but he was obviously very comfortable doing it, and it was a great dance. And like I said, I would have loved to seen him last longer. He only made it to 10th place. Uh, let's see, season 23 had 13 people in it, so three people went before him. Um, I did see Whitney talk about him as partner one time, and she said he just had a crazy schedule that season. He was on tour with Salt and Peppa, and she had to go along on tour with him basically and do practice wherever they could in the hotel lobby, in the hotel rooms, behind stage at uh, where he was going on stage, you know, at, at the concerts. So that led to a very crazy schedule, a lot of very tired workouts and, and practices. And I'm sure that made his uh, dancing suffer a little bit on the show. But uh, Vanilla Ice, season 23, 10th place. All right, next week on the show is Disney night. That's always a huge night on Dancing with the Stars. I like Disney night. Not that crazy about it, but I like it. Obviously with the ABC connection with Disney, uh, that's always a big thing every year. And one thing I really am looking forward to next week is it's a two-night show. Usually it's just been one night for the last several seasons. They're gonna have a Monday night show and a Tuesday night show. One night's gonna be villain night and one night hero night. And I believe they're gonna have an elimination each night. So not a double elimination in one night, but elimination on Monday and elimination on Tuesday. And they need to. This is a big field of 15 people. They're still keeping it at 10 weeks. So we'll probably have another one. Of course, tune in to see what happens with Cody and Cheryl. My goodness, I'm worried about them as far as getting to be on the show the rest of the way because of the COVID uh, test they had positively. And who knows what's going to happen with Derek now as a judge, even though he tested negative. Will they let him come back? Usually there's a 10-day quarantine uh, once, I guess, he's been ex possibly exposed to it. So I don't know if he'll be back on Monday Night Show either. Oh, one other thing they mentioned last night, Tyra did. Very excited about this. Uh, this fall, or this winter rather, after the season ends up, there's going to be a winter tour, which is several pros going out on tour all over the country. They'll have a celebrity or two or more with them. And it's always a blast to go to those. I've been to 25 tour stops. I can't wait for this to get out of the house and go see it. And uh, that should be fun. But uh, next week, like I said, Disney week. And we will be back next week to talk about it. Again, thanks to TC. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. This is Tony the Engineer. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. <laughs>